If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19, and we're going to read from verse 1. Let's hear the word of the Lord, reading, of course, from the authorized version. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother, and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. And if ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it at your own will. It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow, and of aught remain until the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, every one that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, ye shall not wholly reap the corners of thy field, Neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest, and thou shalt not glean the vineyard. Neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. He shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely. Neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. We'll end the reading there at verse 14, and we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. And it reads, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I and the Lord your God. Now my theme this morning, having given you the text, is God's reminders when you reap the harvest. Now this is commonly called Harvest Sunday. And this is the first harvest service that we're having in our new church building. And every year on Harvest Sunday, We give special thanks to Almighty God for the ingathering of the precious fruit of the earth. 
And of course, it's important that we thank the Lord for supplying all our need that sustains our physical existence on the earth as we know it. Now, it's interesting that the Bible has loads to say about the harvest. Do you know that there's 53 references to the word harvest in the Bible? The first reference, of course, is Genesis 8 and 22, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. The last reference has to do with the final harvest in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14 and 15. And in between, there's another 51 references to harvest. And every reference as a gold mine of spiritual truth and information, when we lift that reference up and we interpret it in light of the word of God. God in every reference has a treasure trove of knowledge and things to teach us. For example, in the book of Leviticus, the harvest is mentioned four times. And the first reference to harvest in the book of Leviticus is in Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. Now, these words are repeated again in chapter 23, verse 22. And it says in chapter 23, in verse 22, these words. And when you reap the harvest of your land, there shall not be clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And this is repeated again by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy as he gave the second law to the children of Israel on the borders of the land of Jordan Forty years after they entered the wilderness. And you can find that reference in Deuteronomy 24 and verse 19. And in those references that I've read to you or quoted this morning, you'll find what I'm going to call the laws of the harvest. Or, or literally a reminder that when you reap something out of your field... God has something to say to you. So God's reminders when you reap the harvest, that's what we're going to think about for the next few minutes this morning. I want you to think first of all of the words, when you reap the harvest of your land. There's a reminder of God's promise fulfilled. Now think of the words, when ye reap the harvest of your land. You see, the harvest, whether it's a bumper harvest, a bad harvest, or a blighted harvest, harvest, every harvest, this harvest in this land, in this community, sees the fulfillment of God's promise. Remember I told you the first reference was Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. See, while the earth remains, God says, there will always be a harvest. Now, think of Noah and his family in the ark. Eight souls, 
all the animals. The ark, remember, rested in Mount Ararat after 14 months. Noah comes out of the ark. The earth is dried up. The floodwaters are gone. The first thing he does is he builds an altar unto the Lord. The Lord sees what he does. The Lord smells the, the altar of sacrifice and burnt offering. And the Lord says in his heart, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. This was a truthful promise. And what I'm saying this morning is as we look around the church, let's remind ourselves that every harvest is a reminder that when God makes a promise to do something, God keeps his promise. And you can rest and rely on his promise. And the evidence is all around us. The, the food supplies that we have. The fruit, the vegetable, the meat, the bread, the milk. It's all evidence of God's truthful promise. Not only that, this was a timely promise. No one needed it. You think of him coming out of the ark. Was there an abundance of fruit and vegetables and meat in the land? I believe the answer was no. And the very hour that he needed a promise from God, God gave his promise. Isn't that often the case? Maybe you're facing a particular circumstance or situation right now, and you feel that you're in dire straits. And in that situation as a Christian, God comes to you and he gives you a, a wonderful promise and you can hold on to it and it becomes to your soul such a comforting word. Remember, Noah had hundreds of animals to feed. He's got a wife. He's got a three children. There's hungry mouths. And God says, here's my word about the earth. While the earth remains... There'll always be a harvest. You see, God is faithful to his promise. And you can trust the word of God. Do you know that there's 7,300 direct promises in the book, according to Herbert Lockyer? And they're all yea and amen in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. And you can rest you can stand on the promises of God. And if you're in a particular situation this morning and you need a word from God, then I want to encourage you, go to God. Seek his face. Read the scriptures. Ask the Lord to speak to your heart. And if you're walking in fellowship with God, then I want to assure you that God has a word for you. And when you get a word from God, hold on to that word. Come with me. Did, did you know that in 1610, in the town of James's town in Virginia, in the United States of America, the, the colony of English settlers was decimated. It had been reduced from 400, over 400, to approximately about 60. Many of the settlers had died due to disease, due to starvation. And the settlers, of course, went into the little church and they prayed. And they, they reminded God of his word to supply their need. 
while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest. And then somebody came in and told them that a ship had been sighted. And when the ship docked and food had been supplied, you know the first thing they did? They called a prayer meeting. And before they had a bite of that food, can you imagine starving people? Before they had a bite of that food, they called a prayer meeting and they thanked God for the supply of the food. And they rejoiced that God had remembered them in mercy and God had fulfilled his promise. You see, God has given us great and exceeding promises. And what I'm saying this morning is you can rest and rely on them. And when the Bible says, even unto us, and when ye reap the harvest of your land, as you're thinking about reaping the harvest, just you remind yourself, this is a reminder of a promise fulfilled. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. I want you to think of something else now. This is a reminder of a provision that is fruitful. If you look at the text, it says, and when ye reap the harvest of your land... Thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. Listen to verse 10. And, when, and thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord thy God. Now, now ask yourself this. What is God teaching us here? I want you to think of a field of wheat or barley or, or corn, and it's being reaped. Now, remember in these days, they had no combine harvesters, and they had no big tractors in the field. You think, you've got to think of men, hard-working men, and they've got a scythe, young people, a scythe is a, a sharp, curved blade with a long handle and a strap over the shoulder, and they used it in a circular motion to cut the corn, the wheat, the barley, and the rye. And by that means, they gathered in the precious crops of the earth. And the cutters were told, don't go all the way into the corner. Don't cut into the edge. So if you think of a fence, maybe a stone wall, they were to leave about six or 12 inches from the stone wall they were not to go all the way into the corners. Whenever the reapers, the ones that were picking up the corn and putting them into stalks, if they dropped a few years of corn, they, they weren't to go back and pick them up. If they actually dropped a, a, a whole stalk of corn, maybe it fell off the cart, they weren't to go back and pick it up. Why? Because that's what God said. That was a law of the harvest. And that's very important that you remember that. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and in the verse 19, um, where, where this law is reiterated, we read, When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. For it shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widows, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the works of thy hand. Now, now, here's why. Because God has said it. And God calls for loving obedience. And who's it for? Is it not going to be wasted, Lord? Is it not going to rot? 
If you notice, it says in verse 10, thou shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. The, the poor refers to one who is destitute. The stranger refers to, to a migrant or an immigrant in the land. Notice, not just provision of the precious fruit of the earth for the rich and the powerful, for the worker and the laborer, but God also brings into mind the poor and the stranger. The owners of the field are not to be greedy. They're not to be covetousness. They're, 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 they're not to pick up every ear of corn. Every corner is not to be cleaned out. Every sheaf is not to be picked up. Every grape in the vineyard is not to be taken off the vine. The law applied to the owners of the vineyard and the field, the orchard grower, and any other grower of any precious fruit of the earth. I want you to think of a reminder of a provision that's fruitful. Because this is a reminder of God's charity. The harvest time was an occasion for joy. Nehemiah 8 talks of the joy of harvest. People were delighted at the time of harvest. They did give thanks to Almighty God at the harvest thanksgiving. But they also had a duty. And the duty was to remember the poor, to remember the stranger. And God does that at the time of harvest. And the poor and the stranger in the land of Israel would have discovered there's free food for us. There's pre-provision. This has been left behind and it's left behind as an act of charity, an act of love, an act of kindness. See, God is remembering the poor and the stranger. God is caring for the poor and caring for the stranger. God is so kind. God is so loving. God is so gracious Listen to me, that he remembers the poor and the needy. You see, when you think of the poor in the days of Moses, the poor had no money to fall back on. They had no resources to go to the bank and draw down on. If they fell on hard times, times were especially hard. And what did they do? Well, they could beg. They could also steal, but remember that was contrary to the law of God. But they could also do something else. They could remember the law of the harvest. And they could look to the Lord. They could trust in him. You see, God loves and cares for the poor and has made provision that their need would be met. A harvest has been left for them to go and gather up. As it wasn't put into their lap. It wasn't left in their doorstep. There was no hand delivery of the worker or the laborer. No, the poor and the stranger had to go into the field and gather it themselves. There was going to be no excuse for laziness. And they had a responsibility to, to gather up this free food. And the Lord had told them where to get it and what was to be done. This was the Lord's provision. A reminder of a provision that is fruitful because it reminded them of God's charity. You see, today, if we draw a contrast in the 21st century, there's a safety net. If you're ill and you can't work, um, you, you get sickness benefit. If you lose your job, you can go down to the dole office and you can get social security benefit. It mightn't be much. 
but it's something. I'm told it's about £70 a week for a single man or a single girl. Not very much, but, but it's a handout. It's certainly better than nothing. But in those days, in the days of Moses and biblical times, when you were poor and destitute, you must have felt very vulnerable. And you see, when I think about the poor in the Bible, I'm also thinking about the poor today who maybe in the church here are feeling very vulnerable for a particular situation or circumstance. And for you, life is dark and difficult. Maybe you feel you you can't cope. You don't know where to turn to. You feel things are out of control. Why is this happening to me? How could the Lord be allowing this? In Psalm 37, we're told there in that lovely psalm about the evildoer. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. And you know one of the things that the evil worker and doer does? Listen to verse 14. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. You think of these words. In the day of the evildoer, one of the things that he does is to verbally and physically attack the child of God. Isn't that happening today? So there are those in the community of the church who are poor in the sense they feel very vulnerable and they face a particular situation. Think of the child of God in trouble. Think of the child of God being tried. The child of God being traumatized. Someone drawing out the sword. Someone bending the bow. And they want to kill and maim the child of God. Now, now, now think of that. People attacking you. People accusing you. Spreading lies. Telling falsehood to destroy you. And you feel threatened. You, you feel tested. You, you, you feel troubled. And, and, and you're in that situation. You're poor and needy. And you remember this. In that situation, the Lord still loves you. And the Lord is careful to have you in remembrance. And the Lord can provide for you in that situation. Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 40 and verse 17, Though poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Let me ask you, is things difficult today? Do you feel down and depressed in the house of God? Are you saying in your heart and mind, Lord, I can't take much more of this? Just remember that God loves you, that he's thinking about you, that he has provided a way of escape for you. Look to him for your help. Look to him for grace. It's a reminder not only of God's charity, but a reminder of God's security. A God of love and grace who supplies the needy. You see, when I think of the poor and think of the needy, I also think of Christ. Did you know that Christ was poor and needy? The Bible tells us though he was rich. Rich in his person and his power and his possessions. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be made rich. That is rich toward God. The Lord Jesus knew what it was to be tested and tried and forsaken of men. He, 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 he was homeless. He said the son of man of nowhere to lay his head. At times he was tired. At other times he was hungry. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. 
Remember, Christ went to the cross for you. Christ died in your guilty room instead. Christ bore all the, the agonies of Calvary out of love for you to supply your need. The Bible tells us this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You see, the Lord has never forsaken his people. If he saves his people, then he keeps his people. The Bible talks about kept by the power of God unto salvation. Our security is in Christ. We're not only saved by Christ, but we're secure by Christ. And you can keep looking to him because all the blessings of God are in him. Think of this word stranger. It refers to the migrant, the immigrant. Someone of a different race, a different nationality, a different color of skin, different tongue. But you know that doesn't matter to the Lord. The Lord cared and loved and was gracious to the stranger. He also made provision for him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a stranger to God. You're without God. You're without Christ. You're without hope in the world. You're not saved. You're not part of the Lord's family. But you don't have to remain a stranger. He died for all who trust him. You can be made nigh through the blood of his cross. You can be brought into his family. Let me ask you, are you a stranger to God? Why not call upon him today? Why not repent of your sin? Why not put your faith and trust in him? Get right with God. Be rich in the Lord's provision. The harvest is also a reminder of God's opportunity. The stranger and the poor had a duty to gather up the food. When the time was right, they had to gather it up. Why? Because there was a day coming when the harvest would be passed. We could really say, woe unto him that sleeps in the harvest. Think of Jeremiah 8 and 20. The harvest has passed. The summer has ended and we're not yet saved. Here's Jeremiah thinking of the nation of Israel rebelling against the Lord, turning his back on God and his word. The harvest has passed. In other words, the day of opportunity has passed to gather that important food. Isn't there not an urgency about the harvest? You can't go on and on gathering in the material harvest. Last year, think about the silage the potatoes that were lost in the field, the heavy rain, the inclement weather. Uh, and the farmers, of course, realized that farming's a hassle. Nothing ever runs smooth. And there's an urgency to get it gathered in. But they couldn't gather it in because they couldn't go out into the field. And what wasn't reaped was lost. You see, if it's not reaped, when thou reapest the harvest, this is your duty. But, 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 but this is an opportunity for the poor and the stranger to go and gather that in. But if they don't, then for them it becomes a matter of life and death. Isn't that true about the spiritual harvest people brought under the gospel? In the gospel we have a day of opportunity. How much evangelical preaching have you heard? Witnessing of father and mother at home. Seasons of prayer where your name has been mentioned and God has been called upon. And what did Jeremiah say to this people? The harvest has passed, the summer has ended, and we're not yet saved. He didn't say, you've not yet done enough good deeds. He didn't say, you've not gone to church today. He didn't say, you're not religious. No, you're not yet saved. 
Are you among the saved of the earth? How many opportunities has God given? Is the opportunity not passed for Pharaoh who perished in the billows of the Red Sea? Is it not passed for the people in Noah's day when only eight were saved in the ark? Is it not passed for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah whom God rained down fire and brimstone because of their lifestyle of homosexuality? Is it passed for you? The answer is no. Because this is still the day of grace. This is a day of opportunity for you. God is good. God has preserved you. You're still in the day of opportunity. And God summons you to repent and receive him as Lord and Savior. I want to tell you one final thing. In the harvest, there's not only a reminder of a promise that's fulfilled. And a reminder of the provision that's fruitful. A reminder of God's charity and security and opportunity. But it's a reminder of a providence that's faithful. Not the edges. Don't trim them. Not the corners. Don't gather the gleanings if they fall. This was a marvelous providence. Let me illustrate that. Think of this. The story of Ruth. It comes after Joshua and the followers into the land of Canaan, the land of conquest. And at the days of Judges, there was a family, a man in Bethlehem, Judah, called Elimelech, and his wife Naomi, and two boys. And they left because of a famine, and they went to live in Moab. And they were only going to spend a short time there. They sojourned, the Bible tells us, for ten years. Elimelech died. The two boys were sick, Malon and Kilion. And the two boys who were sick, they took wives, Orpha and Ruth. And then the two boys died. Now, you can think of a, a widow called Naomi. And you can think of two daughters-in-law. And they're also widows, only they're younger women. And after ten years, they come back to Bethlehem. And you know the exact time they come back? Ruth chapter 1 verse 22. It was the time of the barley harvest. That was a marvelous providence. And did you know that this law was operating then at this time? Now remember, Ruth is a Moabitish girl. She's a stranger to Israel. She has no part of the land of Israel. Naomi's poor. She has lost everything that she had. And what does she say to her mother-in-law in Ruth 2? Let me now go and glean ears of corn. What did she want to do? Let me go around the edges of the field. Let, let, let me go into the corners. This is the time of barley harvest and I'll gather some food for our bellies. You see, this was a kind law. This was a marvelous providence. God had put it there. God had put it there. As far as Harvest is concerned. I tell you that to tell you this. There was a minister one time at school. He was invited to do the harvest service. He took this portion of Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 and 10 that I read. He was a liberal preacher. And he said that the children of Israel, when they entered the land of Canaan, discovered that the Canaanites had a law. It was a good idea, they thought, to provide for the poor. So the Israelites simply followed the Canaanitish law. And another minister was sitting there with his child, and he thought, well, that's a lie. That's utter rubbish, because it was God gave the law. And as I'm saying, three times it's in the book. 
And here was the law. And Ruth in that story happened to go by the field of one called Boaz. Not by chance, not by luck, but by a a marvelous providence. You see, God is at work. God was steering and guiding, meeting the need for the stranger and for the poor. Boaz even allowed handfuls of purpose to fall in the field. Ruth gathered two ephahs of barley, about five days' food in one day. And Boaz is a picture of Christ. Now I'm about to finish. But Boaz ended up marrying Ruth as a kinsman redeemer. Boaz was the son of Rahab the harlot. And when Ruth and Boaz got married, she had a son and his name was Obed. And he became the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of King David. And the Lord Jesus Christ came from the line of King David. You see, God had his eye on what happened in the field. Because it's a providential faithfulness. And as you think of the harvest, you think of the promise that's fulfilled. The provision that's fruitful. You think of a providence that's faithful. And think of a picture that's final. Because at the end of the harvest... When the reaper's work is done and all is gathered in and the day of sowing has come and gone and the day of reaping has come and gone and remember you'll reap what you sow and that was the law of the harvest. It's literally true. It's literally true spiritually and that's what's wrong with the United Kingdom. We're reaping what we're sowing. It's true individually. It's true for the land collectively. It's true for the church. It's not my ideas and views as I preach every Sunday. I may be only the preacher. It may be only the Bible. It may be only the word of God. It may be only God's message. But we say to society, we say to the children in the streets, we say to the young people in the school, we, 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 we say to all in the sanctuary, we must be faithful to what God has given us. Because here's a picture that's final. In the final harvest, there'd be a separation. Doesn't the combine harvester, when it works today, do a work of separation? Separates the grain from the uh, chaff. The harvester separates it. You know, in the final harvest, there'll be a time of separation. God will gather in his wheat. And the chaff will be sent to the fire. Will you be gathered in as God's wheat? Or will you be sent to the fire? God's Urgency in the gospel is tied in to the picture of the harvest finally gathered in. Thank you for listening this morning. It's taken a little longer than I anticipated. But I trust and pray that you'll get the seed thought of God's reminders in the time of the harvest.